0: This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who, in some way, shape, or form, have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life.
1: This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories.
0: We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share, or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode.
1: Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Teaching young minds about mindfulness is a journey not to be perfected in one day. It comes with time and practice and perhaps a book relating mindfulness to camping and the outdoors. Today, we are talking with Laura Larson, who did just that. Laura spends a lot of time camping around Minnesota in the summers with her family, and she is the author of Wild Mindfulness. Laura created this book as a tool for parents and educators to teach mindful practices to children. The book recently celebrated its first birthday, so a big birthday shout-out to Wild Mindfulness. Yay! Welcome to the podcast, Laura. We're super excited to have you on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. This is my first podcast. Yay!
1: We're super excited. I've been waiting like all school year. You've been so fucked, and luckily COVID has slowed us down.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you for being patient.
1: Totally, totally. So before we dive into the book and everything, I would love just to hear about your own outdoors background, hiking background, why you instill outdoors with your own family so often. Talk to us about that.
2: Sure. So I did not grow up in like a outdoor loving home. Um, I grew up to stories about my dad talking about his outdoor adventures, but as a family, we never really did those things. Um, not sure why, but just wasn't kind of part of my upbringing. I did have some times with just different friend groups and stuff that we would like go camping and things like that. But I didn't really start to um, kind of unfold my love for the outdoors until like early in my marriage. My husband, he loves the outdoors and camping and hiking and things like that. And Um, so he really helped me to kind of plant those seeds of like discovering the outdoors and adventuring and hiking and things like that. And so, um, it has been kind of cool to see that grow and uh, we've been married for 13 years. And so it's been a, it's been a fun journey kind of, um, uncovering that and realizing like how much I just, I'm made for the outdoors I love it it just makes me feel alive love nature it just brings such a peace and so it's definitely something that we wanted to incorporate into our family and just kind of just make it the norm Um, just knowing what it does for us as adults and incorporating that into our kids lives So yeah, we have made camping, or I should say more glamping. We have a camper um, part of our lives. We got a camper about six years ago. And so ever since then, we've just taken the summers um, just to get out there, you know, about six to 10 trips and just kind of make that our priority to get outside, adventure, have fun, um, and just really slow down the pace of life. So yeah, that's kind of how it all started and and how it is continuing to unfold and just finding how much peace we can have and feel in the outdoors.
1: That's pretty cool that your husband is kind of the one that like loved it before you and he just kind of like, gravitated you towards this cuz i think some people like it's still like a whole scary endeavor to do but like seeing the pictures that your family go out and do like you guys are all just clearly having such a fun peaceful time out there together.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: And yeah, i like that. Yeah, glamping. It's like going <laughs> outside doesn't have to be like this roughing it thing at all. Um my husband and i like doing that. We rough it, but Yeah the whole thing is like, yeah, people can go glamp and still get so many of the benefits that the outdoor is here to give us.
2: Right. Right.
1: So that's awesome. I saw that you guys are growing out of your camper and try gonna, you're going to upgrade soon.
2: Yes, we hope to. We, so our camper that we have now, it's like an old seventies nomad camper and it is, it has fit us really well. It just, it's it's feeling a little tight nowadays we have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and then the two of us and then two dogs now so it's just it it feels like we need a little bit more space (laughs) so we're hopefully going to upgrade um we would love to find a camper with like a bunk house so the kids could kind of have their own area instead of having to fold down a dinette each time. Um, and our camper right now, actually, I I feel like we do actually rough it a little bit because we don't have a working toilet or water really, just because it's so old. We haven't quite figured it out. There's been a lot of mishaps trying to figure it out. So we we kind of get a little creative with the whole bathroom situation and um, water. Um, So that will kind of be an upgrade to just kind of having more of that functional space for some of those necessities as well. So
1: yeah, some of the more comfortable amenities (laughs) of home. So when you guys do go out in this camper, is it typically to state parks? Or where do you typically head out?
2: Yeah, in the past um, years since we've had it, we've usually just um, gone to state parks. Because it is so old, it's it's pretty heavy, Um, so we really haven't um, been too adventurous to haul it, you know, cross country. So really just within Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, more of those state parks. This year, however, is a little different because of the whole COVID thing and things being shut down. Um, Over the winter, we were kind of talking about, you know, what if we try to seasonal this year? And because, you know, now our kids are in sports and so trying to plan around that and um, that typically happens on the weekends. And so trying to make all of these things that we love work. And so this year we kind of bit the bullet and uh, we got a seasonal spot up in Willow River, just about an hour and a half away. Um, and so we're trying that out this year and, it, and it's going pretty good. We've already had a few visits there. We're actually going this afternoon for the weekend too. Um, so it'll be a kind of a new experience just to be in one Spots, And then that kind of gives us the opportunity to kind of still take road trips to the state parks. We want to do like a the Northern State Parks kind of tour and kind of make a couple days of that. Yeah, it's a little different this year, not going to all the state parks and traveling around, um, but we'll just kind of see, see if we like the seasonal life.
1: Yeah, that's kind of cool. You're going to kind of park in place and stay there and practice the real safety regulations in some ways. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, right, right.
1: So when you say it's seasonal, does that mean you get that spot at Willow River State Park all summer? Like that's your guys' spot?
2: Yeah. Yep. We have it. uh, It opened May 1st and we have it all the way through, I think, the end of September. Um, And then we can even park it there in the winter, which will be really nice. Um, And if we want to, and if we like it, we can continue that and plan on that for next year.
1: That's really cool. I can imagine that you had to like book that pretty far out in advance, right? Yeah, well, let's see.
2: It opened in May. We got there when there was about three spots left. And I think we got it in like, what would it be? Probably mid-April, we locked it in. Um, So we, we got slim pickings, but we're really happy with our site. It's, it's really big. Like we can play wiffle ball in there. Like it's, it's going to be perfect.
1: Cool. I love that. I guess I didn't, I know people can do that, but I've never known anyone to like pick a seasonal spot. So awesome for you guys. I love it. Yeah. It's so yeah. Fun.
2: I was a little hesitant at first. Cause we really like, you know, the state parks, there's a lot of space in between sites. Everybody kind of keeps to themselves. It's pretty quiet um you know we like to get away to get away and so i was a little apprehensive about the seasonal um with every everybody on their golf carts and all the people around and but so far so good it's been pretty quiet there's a lot of space in between the sites hopefully it kind of stays quiet and private just so we still have that sense of being able to get away
1: yeah for sure well and like like we already said this summer might look so different for people and some people very well might not be comfortable going out and camping for the whole season. So it might be a lot quieter out there than a lot of us think. So talk to us a little bit about your work as a school counselor and how that has motivated you to practice your own mindfulness and then eventually write wild mindfulness.
2: Yeah. So I have been a school counselor, um, for about 10 years and, Uh, primarily working in elementary all of those years. And so it's been quite a journey from the beginning. Um, Really, mindfulness kind of took off, I would say, you know, five to ten years ago. It really started to grow within um, our school counseling community and became more of a buzzword. And so we really latched on to using it as a resource with our students um, as we work with them in their mental health and their emotional stability. And so, just have learned a lot over the years, you know, reading books, taking classes, collaborating, professional development. Um, and the more I learned, the more I loved it professionally and personally. It just it really seemed to resonate with me and fit with me. It just seemed like really organic. And the more that we used it, the more we could really see the impact of this practice, um, not only on ourselves but in the students that we work with. So um, it's kind of become just a regular part of my practice. I really strive to use it with each student that I work with, whether we focus solely on mindfulness or we just use it maybe at the beginning of our meeting or as we're de-escalating in situations. I really try to make it a norm and so they, they feel that it's a tool that they can use. I use a lot of children's literature when I work with students and there's a lot of really great um, mindfulness books out there and I utilize books a lot with kids um, but one thing that I found in my little library that was lacking was just the incorporation and the focus of nature and mindfulness and Being that I've had this newfound love of nature and mindfulness, I really wanted to find a resource that tied the two together, and I just couldn't quite find exactly what I had in mind, what I was looking for, and then it just kind of all came to me that maybe maybe this is something, a resource that I need to create myself, and so a little seed was planted. Um, and yeah, from there, the rest is history.
1: So, I mean, that's so cool how it kind of evolved from your work, but you never really had a dream of being an author.
2: It wasn't something that I grew up thinking like, yeah, I want to do this. Like I'm going to be an author one day and I'm going to write books. I think it's one of those things like maybe... Typically, people would think, you know, writing a book would be cool. That'd be something cool to do. Um, I never really pursued it until maybe five years ago. I started some drafts and stuff, but it just, it didn't really feel, it felt like I was forcing it it didn't really feel right. Um, until this whole kind of idea started to come to life in my
1: brain. It was just like the right time. That's like the, the answer from the universe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So you said five years ago, so like that wasn't wild mindfulness created in your mind five years ago yet.
2: Correct. Yeah. It was just kind of playing around. I think it was, uh, it was a children's book and it was focused on like, um, like something my son had done and just kind of a funny cute little story but it just I I knew deep down like this this doesn't feel right. So I just kind of put that on the shelf and thought, you know, maybe it maybe someday in the future I'll I'll pick this back up again.
1: And so when you set out to make the book weaving it into outdoors and camping was kind of your vision.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I like vividly remember my husband and I a couple years ago um, we were at Savannah Portage State Park and it was just a mom and dad trip so no kids (laughs) so it was just nice and peaceful and we were relaxed and we were just hanging by the fire talking and you just talking about goals and dreams and stuff and like that idea came up again about a book and just being in nature sitting by the fire hearing the sounds looking at the stars like if I could visually describe it it's like the idea bubble just like popped on my head and like I was like oh like, oh my gosh, like I have to do this book and it's going to be a story and there's going to be mindful moments and there's going to be guided imagery and it's going to follow this girl while she goes camping. And it just like flooded my brain. And like, right then and there, I like took my phone and opened the notebook app and I just started like typing all of these different ideas because I didn't want to forget them. And, and yeah, it just kind of took off from there and everything from that point on just really seemed to happen, like really organically. And it just everything just kind of fit. And it just worked out the way that I imagined it. And that made me feel different than previously, when I kind of tried this book adventure, it just it felt so much more right this time. And that made me feel more confident in really starting this whole process.
1: I love that. It's like the best and most powerful moments can come to people when they're just sitting around a fire with peacefulness and calmness. I know I've had some of like the best epiphanies sitting around fires. Like that's when I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. For sure. It's just like these magical moments come to you. Yes. So for people who don't really know what mindfulness is or practice mindfulness, I think we should kind of give some background idea to what mindfulness is because, I mean, I definitely instill it into my everyday life and I'm guessing you do too. And it's not an easy thing. So I think we should kind of just talk to people about what mindfulness is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of times when people hear the word mindfulness, they might think like, Um, meditation or something that's religious or prayers um, or something spiritual and it definitely can be um, but it also can be something just very simple just simple as just paying attention Uh, when I teach it to kids I, I use the verbiage it's paying attention on purpose not only to what's going on around us on the outside but what's going on on the inside our thoughts and our feelings Um, how we feel emotionally, how we feel physically, and it's really just being where you are, not letting um, the stress bounce around in your brain, pushing that away, and just being present where you are, acknowledging feelings and acknowledging thoughts, um, but also just trying to enjoy the present moment and be content right where you are, and I think This whole COVID experience has been super interesting because I feel like it has almost forced our world to kind of sit in that a little bit and just be a little bit more present and content with where we're at and what we have. And maybe that's something that our world needs you know and just just being able to shut off and not be so distracted by all of the things that were happening before Um, but now focusing on our family and how we feel and what we need as humans and so that it's kind of been an interesting experience just to kind of go through all of this but mindfulness it can be simple just paying attention to the here and the now
1: Yeah. No, the whole COVID thing. I think about that so much too. I was thinking about that like a week after we were all put at the stay at home order, I was like, you know, this is going to do a lot of good for our world. So many humans are just on the go, on the go, running around, going to sports, going to restaurants, got to go see this new movie, got to go to the grocery store, like all of these things. And it's like, I wonder... Are those people just doing this to go through the motions or are they really mindfully weaving through their days and sensing their feelings and their bodies and responding to that? And yeah, being at home, I think is giving a lot of people opportunity, even to like be home and cook for yourself. Like that's a huge mindful practice, being mindful Mm -hmm. of what you eat rather than going in a drive through and stuffing your face while driving down the highway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: I think it's going to change, hopefully, the the way that we do things from here on out. You know, I hear a lot of people say, like, you know, there is no normal anymore. We're never going to go back to normal or the way it was. This is going to help us create a new normal. and And hopefully, this new normal does bring more times of just, like, sitting with where you are with what you have and being okay with that and just kind of a slower pace. Um, So we'll, we'll see what our new normal looks like.
1: Yeah, totally. But I mean, that's one reason I just like was so in love with the idea behind my wild mindfulness and relating it to camping because for us, like hiking through life, like being out camping is when we can be so mindful away from it all and just really sit down and think about the most simple things in life. And especially for us, like we have to like ration out our backpacking food and be really mindful about the amounts of food we're eating and everything. So what for, what for you um, kind of strikes you as the most mindful moments when you're out camping?
2: Let's see. For me, it's definitely one of them is being under the night sky, seeing all of those stars and having that sense of feeling so small. <laughs> um, it's it's just an amazing feeling just to get out of the city and the busyness of the light pollution and just being able to really see like what our world looks like and sit in that so I love when there's just a clear night and just all the stars are shining like and being able to like see the satellites go across the sky and like hope for a shooting star and like as silly as it sounds I love feeling that feeling of feeling so small in just the whole expanse of the universe so that's definitely one of them for me um also definitely hiking when When we go hiking, just being able to just observe what's going on around us. I love it when we can hike through like the deep, deep forest and just be surrounded by the trees and just the nature and just find those little discoveries in the path. A couple years ago, I I heard a reference um, connected to hiking about forest bathing and how... It's not just hiking, but it's really, it's this mindful practice of just being in the forest and taking it all in. Um, Because trees, they give off these compounds. I forget what it's called. I feel like it starts with a P, but I don't remember. Somebody much smarter than me knows. But um, trees give off these compounds, um, which are a natural distressor for humans. And so there's like a real scientific... Um, evidence of how hiking and just being in nature can be beneficial for us as humans. And so just sitting in that and just being able to just hear the leaves crunch under my feet and feel the things along the path and just see all of the amazing, beautiful things is, is one of my favorite times just to be mindful, um, whether I'm hiking with my family or by myself, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite things to do.
1: Yeah, the whole idea of forest bathing, I've heard of all of that too. And I've I've read articles that even doctors were prescribing this to some patients, like, no medication, no nothing, just go out and be in a forest and really use your senses to observe what's around you. Mm -hmm. And it can do really beneficial things to our mental well being our physical well being, just the overall human, right? It's incredible. So some of your book, did you, as you were hiking, did the writing for it come about? Like, were you inspired when you were out there in nature?
2: Yeah, definitely. I kind of had a sense of like a story, um, you know, it would be a story about a girl, she goes camping, and kind of the, the walking through what it's like to be a camper and that camping experience. But then also for the mindful moments really connecting it to my experience of like how am I mindful during this time and so kind of like the example of like the stars looking at the stars or hiking or just laying in a hammock and how can you be mindful then or when you're fishing or even on the car ride there what is it like to be mindful and so just kind of picking up from those experiences that I have felt um, as opportunities to be mindful in this journey and connecting that all together.
1: Yeah so the whole book is about this girl who kind of guides us through all the mindful practices. Was there a reason you chose a girl character or just one character versus like a couple people?
2: I, you know, I get that question a lot. And sometimes people ask, you know, why doesn't she have a name? What's her name? And and that was purposeful. Um, one reason I chose a girl was because I think sometimes as girls, sometimes we're not looked at as being outdoorsy or Um, being able to be rough and tough and get dirty and do these things. And that's something that I felt growing up and I'm sure a lot of other young girls have, or even still do, but just being able to recognize like you, you can do this too. Like you don't have to be a tomboy or a boy or, you know, anybody, any human can enjoy this sort of activity. And so it was kind of taking my own experience as a girl of feeling like, well, maybe that's not something that I can do and kind of putting that in this story. And I also wanted her to be a girl of color. I work with a very diverse um, student population and a lot of curriculum and a lot of uh, children's literature doesn't necessarily reflect that. And so I really intentionally made her be a different race. So students that I work with can also identify and see themselves in this character for the sake of just practicing the simplicity and um, just kind of just the stripped down mentality, I really just wanted it to be one person. I wanted the focus to be on the experience and the journey and what it is and not necessarily on a character story or a family um, or a character plot, um, but really just the journey and what she's doing and her experiences.
1: Wow. I love hearing all of this. This is so cool. The fact that, like, you considered, like, yes, they should be diverse. Yes, it should be a girl, because that's so true. I think a lot of women do just feel this so little in the outdoor world. And I definitely think it's changed over time. But I know definitely when, yeah, when I was growing up too, it was like boys go play outside, the girls can hang out inside and help cook and do the laundry type right. thing. So I love all of the super deep thought you put into creating this book and weaving diversity into it. That's so, so, so important, especially I think a lot about too, like diversity out outside is something that I see more and more, but mm-hmm. I don't see a ton of it. I mean, it's definitely becoming bigger, but
0: I love that
1: you weaved that into the whole idea behind wild mindfulness. Yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. And yeah, fun fact, Laura and I used to work at the same school. So that's kind of how I like discovered Laura and was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I'm like a super fan of this book now. (laughs) Yeah. For people who aren't familiar with the book either, like, It's not really a story necessarily about the girl because I feel like when I've used it, I can just open up to a page and just read it to a classroom of students. You don't need to start at page one or two necessarily.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be kind of looked at as two parts. There's kind of a, a story part, and then there's these mindful moment breaks. I know a lot of teachers that have utilized it will just open up to one of the mindful moment pages and just use that as maybe a class opener or closer. But yeah, the story pages, again, they, they kind of just focus on the process of what it's like to go camping. What is the nighttime like? What is it like when you go hiking what is it like when you go fishing and so they tell a little bit of a story but yeah it it definitely can just kind of be pieced together I know some teachers have just done little bits um especially with younger kids that don't have Uh, a very long attention span but they might read the first page which gives a little intro to the story and then the first mindful moment and then the next day they'll do the next couple of pages and so it just kind of draws it out and it piques their interest um, and it helps to kind of teach them some of those skills along the way.
1: Yeah I loved when um, so when I had like my camping dramatic play up in my preschool room we had a tent set up a mini like a play campfire set up and animals Yeah, they love it. And I had that book out and I just like had it out. And when kids wanted to explore the book, we would open it up and I would read pages to them and they would just kind of follow along with what what they saw on the page. And it was just so so neat and like you could tell that it, it was like a very mindful practice for them especially some of them were like so high energy in one moment but then when you start leading them through like oh now we're roasting s'mores over the fire listen to the crackle of the fire like they just you can see them and their senses responding to the story yeah. What ways have you used it with like older kids? Cause I know you work with a wide range of kids. Um, what ways have you used it with? Yeah. Like maybe 10 or 12 year olds. Cause I mean, I've only had experience using it with four and five year olds.
2: Um, well, I've done a lot of classroom um, readings and so really just reading it, teaching them about mindfulness practices, um, having them practice, having them kind of take uh, just a internal survey of how they're feeling before the book and then asking them how they feel after do you notice a difference why do you think you feel different after more times than not they say i feel calm i feel like i could go to sleep i feel happy and so we kind of talk about like what you know there's the the book was not magic it was all them it was all of their ability to be able to calm themselves take their mind off of the stress of the day, take a little mental vacation, and really teaching them that this is a tool that you can do anytime, anywhere, Um, We talk a lot about um, picking a mental vacation spot, whether it's hiking or in the forest or a beach or somewhere cozy in their house, but being able to utilize that as a tool just to kind of calm down, go to a peaceful spot for a minute and then bring yourself back to reality. And so kind of just teaching them some more of those tools that they can use throughout their day and practice on their own.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really teaching them some great independence skills too. And that's why I think this book is so great for even adults as well, like adults who want to bring mindfulness into their lives too. You could sit down and read this book and picture yourself laying in a hammock under the trees or walking down a trail. I mean, I, I dreamed a lot about those moments during COVID yeah. <laughs> and that kind of kept me mindful and kept me going through, through it all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have the book by you? I do. Cool. Yeah. I think if we could just like hear a couple examples of what, what this is. So people have a better idea. behind the whole mindful practice
2: sure so this is kind of in the middle of the book and she's about to go for a hike. so up with the sun the morning is still its brightness peaks over the earthy hills today I go hiking a trail to explore I'm ready to find treasures on the forest floor beneath my feet it crunches the path all around plants critters rocks are all waiting to be found I hike up Over, around, being careful and slow, my wild mindfulness is ready to grow. Deep breath in, slowly blow it out. Close your eyes and imagine that you're surrounded by trees on the forest path. The tall trees tower over you. And if you're still enough and sit up tall, you can feel as giant as a tree too. You walk along hearing the crunch, crunch, crunch under your feet from the dirt and leaves. As you walk, you run your hand along the wildflowers you come to along the path. You can feel their petals and leaves against the palm of your hand. Coming up from the flowers, you notice a butterfly, and then another, and then another. You see them race and flutter between the flowers and swirl around your head. There are so many, too many to count you are being mindful. And so that's kind of an example of kind of a little bit of the story and then going into a mindful moment, practicing some of those visualizations.
1: Yeah, and I love that for children, especially they they have to kind of visualize this all in their minds. There's not, I mean, there is a picture in the book to look at, but hearing it all through the story and the words is really putting a lot of images in their heads and having them get that creativity and their mind flowing to really imagine what that looks like and what it could smell like and feel like.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, this generation of kids is so different than when we grew up. You know, they have a lot of technology and a lot of different things grabbing at their attention that sometimes we find that their imagination is dwindling a little bit. Um, You know, one of my teacher friends was telling me a story a couple of years ago, how she told her students, you know, when you're done with your homework, just turn it over and draw a picture on the back. And they were like, what? Like, what do you want us to draw? What? And they didn't understand this concept of like, just imagine and just doodle and draw. And um, so trying to kind of enhance that a little bit and grow that a little bit, just using your imagination and your creativity and just, just going there in your brain. Hopefully that can help with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree that the imagination has gotten really, really lost with this generation. And that's why I'm so careful as a preschool teacher to just let kids be so free and express themselves and just be allowed to share their thoughts and really blossom their personality. Because you don't want to take that away from a kid. You want their imagination to bloom.
2: Right, definitely.
1: So, Do you use this book with your own kids a lot?
2: So I'm careful with that because I don't want to, like, make it, uh, like, required. Like, you have to read mom's book. You know, if they ask me to, I will. We did it a couple times, like, when it first was released. You know, we had kind of a, a family story time where I read it and... And sometimes I'll bring it camping and we'll pick a couple pages to read. But I really try to let them, if they have the desire and they want me to read it, I will. I have um, a poster that I created of all of the mindful moments on it. And I have one of those in each of their rooms. And so sometimes um, before bed or if they're feeling stressed out, we'll go and we'll pick out a mindful moment and we'll do that together. And, you know, they're excited about it. They're excited that mom wrote a book and things like that. They think that's fun. And so I try to not, like, push it too much or I let them take the lead if if they're interested and, and things like that. But, yeah, they, they like it.
1: Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, mom's an author. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, like, the fact that they're, like, they're older, so they're an age where they really can, like vividly imagine everything going on and the fact that they've had plenty experiences camping with you they they know where the background of where all this came from
2: right yeah and they think it's pretty cool um I worked with an amazing illustrator and I sent her a picture of our camper Um, just because I wanted that kind of incorporated in it. And so they think it's pretty cool that like our camper is in the book.
1: So that was intentional. It's like meant to be your camper.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's actually um, in one of the pictures, maybe two of the pictures it has our camper and then our car, our old car. We had an old Durango that kind of went kaput. We have a new truck now, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, illustration of our camper which is pretty fun especially now that we look at possibly selling it and upgrading so now it's it is forever in the book
1: yeah yeah and just like really a part of your lives and your lifestyle that you've instilled in the family
2: yeah for sure
1: that's really neat so the illustrator yeah how did you find the illustrator and kind of collaborate with her on your imagination for this book
2: um, that was one of the hardest things um, that took a few months. I I could visualize what I wanted. Like, I wanted really kind of whimsical watercolor, really natural, something that just would really speak to just nature and, and the vibrancy of that. So I had a vision. And so I thought I would start local because I thought, how cool would it be if I could find somebody from Minnesota and we could meet up and collaborate together? And so I reached out to some people and it just didn't quite work out. And then I kind of broadened it to, you know, maybe if I could find somebody online and just I reached out, I probably reached out to a little over a dozen people and um, whether they weren't interested or they were too busy or they just didn't do that kind of work it just didn't work out and so I kind of went through a phase of like oh my gosh am I am I gonna have to do the illustrations myself? I don't know if I can do that. And so I even bought like these watercolor pens and like I watched YouTube videos and like okay I, I gotta do this and oh wow <laughs> and so I tried and then I, I just couldn't. I was like, no, I will not do it justice. Like, could I do it? Probably. But it would, it would be nowhere near what I am envisioning in my brain. And so I went on the hunt again. uh, And I found this site called fiverr.com. And it's this database of all of these creatives that sell their services, whether it's illustrations or graphic design, or some people are Like financial advisors, and they help you make a budget plan. It's just all of these different creatives. And so I searched on there for illustrators and I found one and I loved her work. Like it was exactly what I wanted. And she didn't live in Minnesota. She didn't live in the United States. She lived in Sri Lanka. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, can this even work? And so I reached out to her and Um, long story short, like it all worked out. Like she speaks English. We were able to communicate back and forth. Like she's amazingly talented. Um, She brought all of my imaginations to life. Like I would um, scribble out some doodles of what I thought for a page and like be real detailed in my description. And she would come back with a draft and we would just kind of bounce back and forth until it was complete. And she really just brought all of my thoughts to life and and I couldn't be more happy and she's yeah this was her first book I think and so I feel really lucky that I found her because I I just think that her her work is really really pretty.
1: Wow what a journey to find like the perfect illustrator. Yeah for sure. Super cool and cool that it was her first book. Yeah
2: yeah she works as an illustrator and so I think she does um just some different work for different things. But she said this was her first children's book. So I was like, all right, well, are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, yeah, well, let's do it. So it, it was really fun to kind of collaborate with her and, and have that connection now all the way across the world. So it's been really fun.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you guys got to dive into the endeavor of first together. Like this was your first book too.
2: Right, right. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So you kind of gave her the visions for each specific page. Is that how it went?
2: Yeah. Yep. I would just, I would look at my, so I had my manuscript all written. And so I would look at each page and I would kind of visualize what do I want on this page? And I would write out every single detail that I could imagine along with a little bit of a sketch or a doodle of kind of how I wanted the composition to be. And then she would use her talents to just like make it look like an actual illustration. And so we would just kind of go back and forth until I approved it. And it went so fast. Um, I found her in December and that I got my last illustration, like the end of March, early April. So It happened a lot faster than I thought it ever could, which was awesome.
1: Yeah. So how long was the whole process of getting the book published? Like from when you started writing pages to when you had it in hand?
2: We went to Savannah Portage State Park when I kind of finally had that idea. I believe that was in July. Um, And then it was published that next May. So less than a year.
1: That's really cool how fast that all goes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I suppose it's not like an adult chapter book that takes like years and years to write, but right. Right. Neat. So, I mean, you must use it in your own work pretty often, correct?
2: Yeah. I, again, kind of like with, with my kids, I don't, you know, force it on kids. Like, this is my book. I wrote this and we're going to use this as a de-escalation technique so I have it in my library and I'll bring it out and I'll say do you want to try to do one of these mindful moments Um, but I really try to make it a resource for teachers as well I think as teachers um, there's so much on their plate there's um, grades there's obviously teaching but they also have to do so many little jobs and so sometimes Um, incorporating some of these new tools like mindfulness and zones of regulation and just helping understand kids' emotions isn't necessarily something that they always have time to investigate on their own. And so I really wanted this to be a tool for um, teachers and educators to be able to utilize It just speaks to how easy mindfulness can be. There's some vocabulary in there. There's some tips for how to use it. Just kind of a one-stop shop for them to be able to use in their classroom, whether I come in and read it or teach about it, or they want to do it on their own. So it's been through many of the classrooms at my school, which has been super cool. I've been so honored that they've um, been utilizing it and wanting to to have it in their class. And it's even more fun when I get to go in and read it to the kids and teach them about mindfulness. And so, yeah, I try to use it as, as much as I can, um, but I also don't want to cram it down anybody's throat.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that is such a cool thing that teachers at that school are having you come in the classrooms and show it, have you had any people at other schools reach out to you and ha- have you led like workshops on this at all?
2: Yeah, I went to a couple other schools to do some readings for some classrooms. And I know I have some other um, teacher friends in different buildings that have inquired about having me come. Obviously, who knows what that'll look like in the future now with with everything. Um, but I've done it, This last February, I was able to co-lead a little workshop. Um, One of my friends led, she was speaking about ACEs and the Adverse Childhood Experiences. Um, and so kind of a branch off of that was mindfulness practices. So she had me come in and teach about mindfulness and how it helps us as adults and educators and the whole teacher burnout thing and how it helps kids and, and then spoke to kind of the book and that process and and how we can use children's literature and mindfulness to teach kids kind of about um, themselves and how to calm down and how to utilize those practices.
1: Yeah. Well, absolutely. And adults too, like mindfulness has to start with us as an adult before we can be instilling it in our children and our students.
2: Right. Right.
1: Like that's huge. Self-care for your, your own self is where it all begins. Yeah. So do you have plans for any other books in the future or are you just kind of stopping the wheels for now?
2: (laughs) Um, I do get asked that a lot, too. And I have no plans right now. Would I like to write another book? Absolutely. And I hope to one day. Um, But I just I want the idea to come to me just as this one did. I don't want to force it. I just I just want it to be organic and just feel right. And if that means waiting another year or five years, then then so be it. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, especially since I'm a mom and I have a full-time job and that keeps me really busy. And so if it comes to me, awesome. And I'll, I'll go with it. Now I've been through the process. I know what to expect. I feel like I could definitely do it again and I would love to, but I don't have any concrete ideas yet. Yeah.
1: Neat. That's, I love that. You're just letting it come so organically. Yeah. Awesome. So Did you do anything to celebrate the first birthday of the book?
2: (laughs) Um, Okay, so I had this whole big plan, like this winter, like I was going to rent out some space at Springbrook Nature Center, I was going to do a reading and then we were going to do like a guided hike and have some mindfulness activities and it was going to be so cool, But then COVID happened. So that didn't happen. Um, Maybe maybe that could be a two year thing. But we just took to camping. we we spent our first I think that was the first time that we were at our seasonal. So we just we went camping and we did all the stuff that we love. And um, so it wasn't quite what I expected or had in mind. But that's okay. You take what you can get. And so we just kind of intentionally celebrated at our campsite.
1: Oh, I love it. Exactly. Take what you can get. That's kind of what we're living with these days. And that's the mindful way.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Um, Where can people find the book? I know at one point it was being sold in Minnesota State Parks. Is it still?
2: Yes, it is. Um, And I don't know if it's at every single one. um, But it's at a lot of them most everyone that we've been able to be at we've seen it which was like that was just the dream come true to me like to be able to have this idea come to me while i'm staying at a state park and loving camping and then a year later going back to like see it in that same park was like oh my gosh like this is the best thing ever like everything could have stopped there and i would have been fine um So the fact that it's sold at state parks is just awesome. So you can find it at state parks. Um, It's on Amazon. It's on um, target.com, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, just on the online. But yeah, hopefully it'll kind of trickle into some more places. Um, But so far, it's been kind of fun to see where it's landed online. And of course, at the state parks.
1: Yeah, what a cool thing to have it at State Parks where the whole, where the dream kind of came to life. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And if people wanted to kind of follow the book more, where can they follow the book? I know you have a Facebook page.
2: Yes, I do. Um, And it's just the wild mindfulness book, Laura Larson. Um, I'm sure if you type in it, it'll come right up. Um, But I try to post- um, at least a few times a month, just some updates, if anything is happening, which this summer, I'm not sure if much will be happening. Um, Just other things that I find um, related to mindfulness and nature that I think um, people would, would enjoy so they can kind of find more there.
1: Awesome. And we'll definitely put that link in our show notes as well.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad this worked out.
0: I really enjoyed this interview Sarah had with Laura. It really got me thinking about the way I'm acting in my own life. I really like how she said that mindfulness is really simply just paying attention on purpose. Paying attention to what's going on around you, but what's also going on within you. And I think there's times where we do get very caught up in just what we're doing in our everyday lives and we're not really focused on you know how that is really affecting us or sometimes even affecting others around us so i really like the aspect of of nature as well and how we can tie that in i know sarah and i really find value in getting out in nature and that helps us to become more mindful and practice this mindfulness it really eliminates the distractions of our everyday lives and i think we've said this many times how we just can get out there and slow down and take in you know what we've been doing in our lives and where we want to go and it allows us to just really practice that mindfulness without distractions
1: Yeah. And speaking of distractions, I think in our society today, one of the biggest distractions is the phone. And even when people are interacting with one another these days, it's so common that people are still on their phones, scrolling through their phones. You're not being mindful when you're staring at your phone yet still having a conversation with someone right in front of you. So when I'm with people, I do try to make it a point to leave my phone somewhere away so I'm not distracted so I can be in the moment and be very mindful of the moment because your brain can't really process doing your phone and a conversation at once.
0: I think that's a good point too. And that's going to be like the biggest challenge for, I think, most people, including us. like We have discussed in the past too about how we can... Just be more mindful in our everyday lives and our interactions, and how, yeah, there are a lot of distractions out there, especially, you know, when you're under pressure and when you have so many things to get done, and when you have, you know, a family, when you have a full time job, and maybe you have a second part time job, and you just are kind of going and hustling and hustling and you know, getting the kids to sports, getting dinner made, or ordering out, and you have all of these things going on, I think it's important to allow yourself a little bit of time to just reflect and allow yourself to kind of figure out, okay, how can I be mindful in these situations where it's very difficult to do that, where you often find yourself being very reactive instead of being intentional in that moment.
1: Yeah, and this is like a very minor example. But even the other night, I was chopping green beans for dinner, like chopping off the ends of the beans. And I wasn't being mindful about it. I just wanted to hurry up and chop these beans and get them cooked so I could eat because I was really, really hungry. And I just tend to do things really fast and not think about them. I just want to get the task done. And Andy came up and he was like, you are, like, missing a good chunk of good green bean. Like, chop these a little slower and you'll get all of them. And, like, that was such a good point. But I was just, like, in my own mind of, let's get this done.
0: Yeah, I did mention to you, hey, Sarah, if you you lined up the ends a little bit more and just take the time to precisely cut them, you wouldn't waste as much green beans. But, yeah, like you said, it was just one of those things where the hunger got to you and you just wanted to get it done.
1: Yeah, but it's something that I'm like so passionate about too, is like not wasting food yet there I was in the moment wasting part of the green bean.
0: Yeah, I really liked Laura's example of how under the night sky is when she's mindful and just noticing how, you know, small we are compared to the universe that's out there. And I find... I can relate to that as well, because like on our camping trips, I love sitting by the fire and just looking out into that night sky and just just being present and then letting my mind wander into all of these other thoughts that I don't think we take the time to really process in in that everyday life at home. I mean, there's so much going on in this world there's even more going on out in the universe but we tend to focus a lot on ourselves and we think that everything is revolving around us and that we are so important however it's very humbling to just sit there and realize that there is a vastness out there whether you can sit on top of a mountaintop on this ridge and just see for miles and miles this vast wilderness. Or look just looking up at the night sky. Or even just looking from the outside of a city. And seeing all mm-hmm. of the buildings and all of the people. And realizing that, you know, I'm just one small part of what makes up this large earth and universe. And I think reflecting on something like that can allow us to better interact with others around us and our environment around us. And I think it can make the world a better place. So I think it's very valuable that we all take a little bit of time and try and practice a little bit of intentional thinking, a little bit of paying attention on purpose, and see what this mindfulness can do for you.
1: Thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop.
0: Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order.
1: You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.